Hello there, I'm Aaron Martell, and welcome to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews, a podcast where we talk about and review a rock album of our choice. This episode, I am joined once again by a returning guest co-pilot and fellow podcaster from the Potter Than Hell podcast, Steve Wright is here. Welcome back, brother. Hey, thanks for the invite. Glad to be here on uh, early Saturday morning. Great to great to hear you. Great to be on R4 again. And uh, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. Absolutely. So on this episode, we're going to review Journey's 1981 album, Escape. Steve, what's your journey history and where do you come in with Escape? Well, when this came out, 1981, it was all over the radio. Don't Stop Believing was on there. Uh, I think there's, what, maybe three songs on here that, that weren't singles from this album. <laughs> and they were just all over the place. My buddy Rob, his sister had this cassette. She used to drive us to school. So this cassette played a lot, you know, on our trips back and forth to school. Just got it there and got into them and really got into them. I, I wasn't able to go, but my buddy Rob, he was at the Philadelphia Jam when they, they toured for Frontiers. So that really kind of ramped up our, you know, our, our fandom of them. But it was weird because like these guys were kind of an outlier, you know, because we were at the like 81 comes around where, you know, we're, we're Priest, we're Van Halen, we're Kiss. And these guys were kind of not that, but it was refreshing to have a, a band that, you know, kind of uh, on that borderline of like hard rock and then like the softer stuff. Yeah. Uh, this is the album that put Journey on my radar. I'm sure I probably heard some of the earlier hits on the radio, you know, like Lights and Any Way You Want It, that kind of stuff. But none of them really stuck with me until I heard Don't Stop Believing." And that song, like you said, it was all over the radio. It was fucking everywhere. And when I heard that, I was hooked. And I was paying attention. Uh, to me, it was just a well-crafted pop song with a hard rock edge. Kind of like what you were saying, Steve, it bridged like the pop and the hard rock. So I kind of took to it and I dug all the subsequent singles from this record, but I didn't pull a trigger on a journey album until I got the follow-up to this frontiers. You also mentioned that I got that on cassette in 83. And then I became a fan of this band and it wasn't too much longer after that. When I added escape to the collection at that point, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. Now I'll give you some basic facts about this record taken right off its Wikipedia page. Escape is the seventh studio album by American rock band Journey, released on July 17th, 1981 on Columbia Records. It was produced by Mike Stone and Kevin Elson and was recorded from April to June 1981 at Fantasy Studios, Berkeley, California. It reached number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart and is certified diamond by the RIAA. And here's the band's lineup card. We have... Steve Perry on lead vocals, Neil Schoen on lead guitar and backing vocals, Jonathan Kane on keyboards, rhythm guitar and backing vocals, Ross Valerie on bass and backing vocals, and Steve Smith on drums and percussion. Okay, let's commence a track-by-track analysis of this album. We kick off with Don't Stop Believin', written by Steve Perry, Neil Schoen, and Jonathan Kane. Don't 
Steve, what do you say? All right. You cannot start out with more of a, you know, at this time, an iconic piano beginning to a song, just that, that, that piano. You're like, that's the one that gets the, gets the guys like, all right. And the girls are like, uh, Ooh, here we go. You know, (laughs) um, this was a song too. I think when they, they played this live, they were doing it early in the set. I mean, they didn't know it was going to be the, the massive hit that it was. And I think like right off the bat, you see that the addition of Jonathan Kane was like awesome at this point. Uh, Greg Raleigh was gone out of the band and Jonathan Kane brought more of a, uh, a more pop. I mean, they were kind of, they were kind of poppy, but uh, more of a, like a modern type thing for, for that period. And, um, you know, it just starts off, you know, uh, just a small town girl living in their lonely world. I mean, that, those first verses just like reached out and pulled like the average rock fan in and just absolutely amazing that there's got a great bill to get that did it it did it it that little plinky intro up to the the lead scream and then down down you know what i mean just it has that epic feel right from the beginning um you know but it's it's such a cool the song has a cool hopeful feel to it that doesn't seem corny when the band kicks in um, that kick in for this song once it gets going, I think is a great just if you're you're thinking if you're going to get rest of the songs, you know, in this kind of vein, it's just going to be fantastic. The production is fantastic off the bat. And which is funny to me is, as you mentioned before, they recorded this from April to June and this came out in the middle of July. So, I mean, this album was like pushed right through. So, I mean, they all the mixing and mastering and stuff that they do and the production of it. I mean, they got this goddamn thing out quick. Yeah. And um, Steve Smith's drumming is fantastic. And and you could hear every guy in the mix throughout this song and the whole album. I think it's a a great start. I'm not a fan of fading songs, fading out. But, you know, I can forgive them for this. But uh, I think it's a fantastic start to just a monster of an album. Damn, dude, you covered this well. I'm going to be repeating some shit. But, hey, that's how it goes. Uh, The intro with new band member Jonathan Kane's piano figure and Ross Valerie's complimentary bass is one of the most recognizable musical motifs you will ever hear. And then Steve Perry sings, and his voice has a deeply emotional richness to it that can fucking soar to the ionosphere when he really goes for it. The song continues to build as Neil Schoen's guitar fades in like dripping water, and then Steve Smith comes in with a mid-tempo, slightly syncopated beat. It's not just straight on. The song's got an unusual structure. It goes through two verses, a dramatic pre-chorus, and then another verse in pre-chorus, and then the guitar solo. And let me tell you something about Mr. Neil Schoen. This guy could play rock guitar with anybody. I mean anybody. He's scary good. He cut his teeth in the band Santana before founding Journey, and he's got the technical bag of tricks that all the big 80s players had, but man, he can also deliver a melodic phrase that'll hold your eardrums hostage. This solo soars like Perry's vocals. And then we're finally given the super memorable chorus that we've been building up to the whole time. And the payoff is fucking choice. The music minus Perry's vocals were recorded live in the studio in one take. That's I I can't believe that. That's insane. 
The lyrics are about two lonely people, a small town girl and a city boy born and raised in South Detroit who meet up and take a midnight train together going anywhere. And their story is like a microcosm for all the lonely people out there searching to find someone to take a chance on and maybe even find love. Some will win, some will lose. This has become Journey's signature song. It is the best-selling digital track from the 20th century, and everyone on planet Earth born before 1980 is probably sick to death of this song. The ear burn is so bad. This fucking thing was everywhere, like you said. Now, for me, I've been away from it for so long now that when I hear it, I can get into it again, like I did preparing for the podcast this week. This was the second single from the album that reached number nine on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. The next track is Stone in Love, written by Steve Perry, Neil Schoen, and Jonathan Cain. Steve, your thoughts? Oh my God, that riff, that absolutely love it. A must listen to in headphones or if you're in your car where you have a, a right side and a left side because you get that second guitar kicks in and then you start singing, you know, those crazy nights I do remember in my youth. I do recall those were the best times most of all. And then to get that boom, that kick in <laughs> is absolutely fantastic. Um, in the heat with a blue jean girl, burning love comes once in a lifetime. And once again, he's just talking to that average guy out there that, you know, has had that blue jean girl out there. Um, there's some killer. Once the band kicks it in, there's some awesome killer uh, licks here and there from Neil Schoen. And uh, the solo is absolutely killer. And you mentioned it during Don't Stop Believing. Neil Schoen absolutely is so underrated he could play any goddamn thing i agree um just the solo is he plays his on this whole record he just plays his ass off on this one the chorus after the solo you get that build that dun, 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 dun. they build that tension as it comes back in and then that then the guitar solo really rips he he plays his ass off here listen to the band underneath you hear the uh ross valerie's just killing it on the bass steve smith on drums goddamn i love this song another fade out but what that lends itself to is I they kind of extend that live, so you kind of get more of that when you see it live. But uh, like I said, not a huge fan of the fade out, but this song is just one of my top five Journey songs, and it's just absolutely fantastic. Great, great one-two kick for these first two songs. Yeah, this one is based around that tough Neil Schoen riff, and everyone else just kind of falls into place around it. You can hear Valerie's bass burbling prominently, and the keyboards are pushed back and a little bit more subtle on this one. Perry's vocals gain in intensity through the verses, heading into the monster sing-along chorus with a cool, booming bum-bum break right in the middle of it. I love that. I, every time it comes along, I go, down in love, bum-bum-bum. I don't know why I do that. I just do. And then Sean closes out the track after a steady buildup with a whammy bar-laden outro that just slays. The lyrics are about reminiscing of summer love with a blue jean girl. And this song got played on classic rock radio quite a bit. It probably still does. 
This was the fifth and final single that reached number 13 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Tracks chart. The following track is Who's Crying Now, written by Steve Perry and Jonathan Cain. And if lovers rage, they turn out the page. The fighting is worth the love they say. One love beats the fire, one heart does the sigh. One love who's crying now. How about this one, Steve? Yeah, another great, totally recognizable piano beginning. Uh, this we get into a little uh, more of a ballad thing. But um, listen to the bass that goes with the while well, he's singing and the piano's playing. Ross Valerie is, is awesome on this album, too. Uh, and I'm not usually, you know, gaga on bass playing on an album, but this is absolutely fantastic. You get a little short uh, drum part. The band kicks in when you get that. And when you get the chorus, I, I love the, it has such a smooth feel to it. Once it gets mm. one heart, da, 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 as that goes, you know what I mean? It has such a smooth kind of takeoff feel to it. The vocals are layered fantastic for the chorus. And I like when the, they sing uh, the chorus with no music during it. it. Sounds great. And then we slides right into the solo. Talk about melodic, crazy solo. Neil Schoen, once again, fantastic. And when this plays out too, the band is just, chugging on all cylinders and like this album has you like grabs you by the throat and just like says sit down and check this shit out and uh fantastic this is and i'm not usually a ballad guy but this is this is stellar we get a heavy emphasis on kane's keyboards in the beginning especially both with a piano and more violin sounding synth patch and like you said, the bass, it burps along on a melodic run with no drums. He's so good until the chorus where they come in on a laid back beat. Perry's voice makes melodic leaps from low to high in the verses. Inspired by Sam Cooke, he does a phenomenal job with that. And the chorus has a mellower, you described it smooth. I love that description. A mellower, smooth vibe, but it's still insanely catchy and memorable. Once again, shown solos on the outro, and apparently he said that he initially wrote a more aggressive solo that got rejected by the band. So he came up with something more melodic with repeated phrases that was more acceptable, and he still kills it. Lyrically, it's about love and how it endures through trying times and heartbreak and loneliness. Someone's bound to get hurt when the love falters, and yet somehow it survives. It never dies. This was the first single that reached number four on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. The next track is Keep On Running, written by Steve Perry, Neil Schoen, and Jonathan Cain. like this one steve i do like this one it gets you back into a little more of the rocking stuff here you got that stop and start chugging guitars more of an up-tempo type song i like the urgent feel of it this kind of has like a 
like a cool bust out feel for the chorus. Background vocals are are big once again. The band rocks pretty good. Well, Neil rips on another solo, but it's kind of short. The solo's kind of short in this one, which is a little disappointing. But you know, I forgive you for all the crazy playing you've done so far. Um, good faster song for the boys, and I like how at the end it goes back to that beginning riff again, and then just plays out da 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 da, and then you just kind of go. So it's one of the ones so far that actually it's the only one so far that doesn't fade out. It kind of fades, but it's a it's a good fade. Not a you know the song's playing out; it just fades out on a note. So I'm I'm liking that too. And now Journey wants to prove their hard rock cred with a chugging guitar riff and bombastic open hi hat stops, taking us to hugely soaring choruses where Perry really lets his voice fly to the heavens. As always, Shone gets the solo just right with his melodic passages, minor note flurries, and big bends, and I even detect a touch of guitar mini as he closes it out. Now, hey, man, when you're busting your ass in the blue-collar city working overtime and your boss is an asswipe, on Friday night, just hop in your car with your baby, turn on your radio, and just go. Let your cares go free and keep on running on that highway. I dig this as a rockin' deep cut. The following track is Still They Ride, written by Steve Perry, Neil Schoen, and Jonathan Kane. How about this, Steve? Jesse rides through the night. She's in the car with this dude from the last uh, last thing there. Melancholy feel for the start. Uh, Steve Perry's soft vocals are really good and heartfelt on this one. Neil's guitar sound on this song is just amazing. Amazing vocals when Steve Perry like kicks it up for like that pre-chorus. The chorus is great. I love the part when he does spinning around. Just very cool. Awesome. Another melodic solo from our boy here. Um, I, I love when you get an amazing solo that has some shredding in it for a slow song. It's done very tastefully on here, but it's really great. And, um, no one does that better than Neil Sean. I think great, like slow song with some amazing playing in it and, and Steve Perry's vocals. You know, I haven't really mentioned Steve Perry a lot, but my God, this guy is just absolutely amazing on this album. And I, I would have to flip a coin for MVP on this whole album, I, I wouldn't even be able to pick one guy. I think this is just a total band effort all around. I agree. Completely agree. And now the band slows it down on a big bluesy ballad with clean guitar, gentle piano, and Perry highly emoting on his vocals. You were kind of alluding to that. It all leads to a patented big soaring journey, big chorus. And I get goosebumps sometimes when I'm in a certain mood and I hear this. Shone wheels out the big crying solo with late note flurries towards the end of it as the music swells dramatically underneath. And I'm sold, baby. I want to take that ride with the band. Lyrically, this almost comes across as a follow-up to the last track, only now it's a little bit later. Times have changed. The old town ain't the same. But still, Jesse's out there, still riding slow on wheels of fire, ruling the night. I remember once in my early 20s, I went to a carnival with my girl. 
and this song was playing as we rode the flying bobs together. You know that the thing that like whips around and and, yep. and her boobs got mashed into my body as we whipped around. <laughs> oh man, what a great memory! I'll always connect that to this song. I have a awesome. song. Yeah, I have a soft spot for this. It's one of my all time favorite Journey cuts, and it was the fourth single that reached number nineteen on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. So let's flip the imaginary record over and drop the imaginary needle on the title track, Escape, written by Steve Perry, Neil Schoen, and Jonathan Cain. Steve, let's have it. Oh, my God. Another chugging rocker. I absolutely love this song. It's uh, it has such a like a, a hopeful feel to it without once again being being corny. The chugging guitar is right from the start. Got a short kick in. You get the do 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 the little Ross Valerie little bass notes in there. Band is killing it once again. There's some jaunty piano in here. I know uh, my son, Dylan, he absolutely loved the jaunty piano and I am a fan as well. And, and I literally wrote down, God damn, listen to the bass on this one, mm. too. At the part after, uh, I gotta go, you get that. It gives you like an like an urgency to it. Great build back into the song. I love the call response. I've got dreams I'm living for. And like Steve Perry sings, and then they get the background. That back and forth is absolutely fantastic. There's a ton of moving parts in this song that I think makes it amazing. It doesn't seem... Um, it doesn't seem chopped up. It's just a, a well-crafted song. And I, I just absolutely love those back and forth lines. That is one of my favorite parts of this whole album. The, the chorus of the band singing behind it um, after the solo. And the solo is kind of, you get a time change for the solo. It's a little more melodic, not, not as shredding as the last ones, but it, it fits perfectly. But like when he comes back in, Steve Perry singing, ah, no, and, he, and he, the band is singing behind him, which to this day, I still can't even tell what the hell they're singing but it sounds amazing and then like at the end you get this da, 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 you get that part again and then like the the fade out that note fade out is really cool in this one this song i absolutely love another hard rocker led by a choppy guitar riff that's matched by a choppy rhythm the keyboards this time are up in the mix to match the guitar giving this tune a much denser sound then it switches gears and goes into a strident rhythm with Valerie throwing in quick high note bass fills. You're even imitating it, Steve, that they sound cool. And for once, Steve Smith gets to show off his solid musical chops on the drums. This tune has multiple musical sections and transitional motifs, and it feels a little bit stitched together, but it just keeps on going forward. So you just kind of ride along with it. Perry almost sounds drowned at first in all the musical thickness, but his voice is such a powerful instrument that, of course, it rises above the din. Now, to me, the melodies in this song aren't quite as strong as what we've heard so far, but it doesn't ruin the track for me at all. It's just not the best sing-along track for me. Lyrically, it's about a young man fresh out of school who feels confined in his life and is tired of following the rules. He's got a restless heart. He wants to break free of his mundane circumstances and escape the hard times, finally leaving and going out on his own. It's a common trope, but it's very relatable. I really love this track, too, even though it's got a different vibe from what we've heard so far. 
The next track is Lay It Down, written by Steve Perry, Neil Schoen, and Jonathan Cain. Steve, hit me. Lay it down. Yeah, great riff. That riff, then and 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 it kicks in. This song just absolutely rocks. Talk about deep track heaven. Steve Perry really goes for it on this one. Neil Schoen's got lead fills up the ass. The background mm-hmm. vocals are are strong on this one. The chorus is really cool. And Neil just rips on those little licks in between the verses. And I, I love by the midnight hour when the when the band sings that I just get friggin' chills. The the solo itself, Neil just friggin' kills it on there. And then like there's that one part where Steve Perry just gets that that I'm like holy shit, just absolutely fucking amazing. And listen to he has some screams and stuff towards the end is just like gives you the 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 chill on your on the back of your neck. Uh, more ripping from Neil Sean at the end. This is song is like one of the best deep tracks on any album that I own. Absolutely love it. This is a track typical of the classic era of Journey, the mid-tempo heavy rock thumper. They always had one or two of these on each album. This is mostly based on a descending progression with a dirty guitar tone from Sean, and the rhythm section kind of just plods along. Kane is relegated to the backseat again, and this is basically a showcase for Neil Schoen to show off. He's adding whammy bar and quick note fills, and on the solo, he pulls out his whole bag of tricks and gives us dive bombs, note flurries, big bends, and shows he can hang with any 80 shredder if he wanted to. I'll put him up there. Not to be outdone, Perry really reaches for some high notes here, and he almost sounds hysterical. It's amazing. But the big chorus returns so you can sing along with our boy. And the lyrics are about a guy going to the Motown show and getting his rocks off. And then he's just looking for a good time. He don't want no trouble. He just wants whiskey, wine, and women. I can dig that. Another tough, unheralded journey rocker that I really dig. The following track is Dead or Alive, written by Steve Perry, Neil Schoen, and Jonathan Kane. What do you say? Dead or Alive, man. These first three songs on side two just absolutely just tear your head off. I, I love it. Quick drum start. Da, 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 da. Uh, fast riff. Quick journey song. I love it. There's some more. Ross Valerie, you're just kicking ass on this album mm-hmm. as well. More jaunty piano in this one. Uh, nothing against Greg Raleigh at all, but I'm so glad that Jonathan Kane is in this band at this point because I think he brought that extra element like in it that I mentioned before. Um, scorching riff during the song just friggin' absolutely fantastic listen to the riffing right before the solo 
talk about tearing it up. As Aaron would say, holy fuckballs. <laughs> um, this song is fucking killer as well. Uh, you get that kick-ass riff to take the song out, and goddamn, just another... People think that Journey can't rock. You haven't been listening to this album all the way through. You've only been listening to the singles. So uh, if you have not, check this album out in its entirety. Dig deep, because these songs fucking rock. I agree. Journey can rock their asses off when they want to. The tempo picks up, and Sean brings back the palm-muted chug, along with an up-and-down fast note riff that's matched by Valerie's bass and sounds cool as shit. Valerie's bass lines really stand out on this record in general. You've brought it up a couple of times, Steve. And on this track as well, he's constantly throwing in fills and passing notes, and he's just an underrated factor in the commercial journey sound. He's amazing. Kane adds some honky-tonk piano that brings the boogie to this bad boy, and it works. Sean works out on his Guitar Hero solo. It sounds a bit, dare I say, Van Halen-esque. And Perry is trying to sound all tough on the vocals. That makes him sound a little bit of, kind of comical. And at one point, he soars really high. And who the fuck does he think he is, Brad Delp? <laughs> Lyrically, it's about a double-secret agent who works as an assassin, drives a Maserati, and ends up getting shot dead by a heartless woman. I'm not making this shit up. Well, they're 38. Yeah. <laughs> I'd call this track some pretty dumb fun. Neil Schoen is a standout once again, even if the track itself isn't, you know, it's not a highlight for me, but yeah, I still dig it, man. I still get into it. The penultimate track is Mother, Father, written by Neil Schoen, Steve Perry, Jonathan Kane, and Matt Schoen. This broken home. Hey, Mother. What do you make of this one, Steve? All right, mother, father, back to soft piano and some acoustic guitar to start there. Steve Perry really goes for it on this song. This song is just crazy emotional about domestic troubles and a shattered family. I think this song is a is a masterpiece for me. I, I think this song is just one that if you like dig into and listen to, it's amazing. Chugging guitars, the song gets into it, and it's not its not really a ballad. It's just a, an up-and-down thing. There's a drum roll that goes into the chorus. Um, that mother, father. But it's just – it's an emotional song, I think. It, it just, it's hard to describe the emotion in the song. And Steve Perry's emotion and his vocals can't be understated, I don't think, on this one. There's cool uh, melodic lead guitar for a short solo that leads back into the verses – Another song with great bass, but this song gives me that like ah feeling that like I don't know emotional is 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 probably the best word I could I could describe this song as. Neil just tears it up at the end. Uh, there's a cool like double bass like mini jam that goes on as it goes back into the chorus, but you get that hopeful part at the end. Have faith, believe, and you get some woes at the end there. I think this is just a a hidden amazing song. Well, this one is different. We get acoustic guitar and piano arpeggios, and then Perry sings on a bed of synths until Sean comes in with the chug and the song opens up with the full band into a dramatically unfolding tune that's kind of got a cinematic feel to it. 
Sean and Kane play the melodic first solo together, and Perry's really pouring his heart out into the vocals, like you were saying, Steve, with all the emotion that this guy can muster. The lyrics are about a family torn apart by divorce. The mother sits alone with a blank stare. The father drinks himself to oblivion, and the kids are caught in the middle. Nobody wins. Everybody loses. Everybody's in tears. Sean gets a second solo, and this time he turns in a blazing shredder, and Smith's drum fills his way to the outro. This is designed to be a sort of epic emotional track, and it's grown on me over the years. I didn't care for it at first, but you know, I've never really had a strong connection to it. It's kind of the outlier on the album. This is the one I could do without if I have to take it off, so I'm calling it Aaron's Stinky Stinker. And that brings us to the final track, Open Arms, written by Steve Perry and Jonathan Cain. this one steve yeah um you know aaron get your lighter out <laughs> time to time to get that lighter up in the air there uh another well-known piano beginning and you know some everyone who doesn't know this one i mean uh you get the soft steve perry vocals there it has a great building of the chorus there's some melodic leads that take you to the next verse there's some really cool that i really didn't get totally until i i really dug in this week the uh there's like an understated guitar in this song that fits perfectly that you're really with the piano and everything going on. You don't really notice it unless you're giving it like a deep listen, but it's very cool. Very understated. No solo, really. Just uh, it plays out like tenderly. I, I maybe personally would have flipped these last two songs maybe and, and end with the, the you know, the, the big emotional thing rather than the, the tender thing there. Um, with just the, the total emotion of that. But I mean, this one is not bad. Uh, I'm not a huge, like I said before, I'm not a huge ballad guy, but, um, and your listeners are probably going to boo me off the show. I may be banned after one. And he said, <laughs> it's gotta be, it's not even a skipper for me, but it, it's my Steve's shitty song selection. Ooh. Ooh. But I do like it though. So something's gotta be at the bottom for me. I hear and this, would be, this would be the one song that I would, I would, you know, if I had to skip one gun to head, I would, I'd say I would just not hear open arms. That's funny. I totally predicted this one would be, yeah. would be the one that you would. <laughs> How could you not? How yeah. You yeah. Not? I knew. I knew. I knew right away. Uh, when you hear the term power ballad, I hear like Motley Crue's home sweet home brought up a lot. And I do love that song. But to me, this is the fucking prototype for better or worse. Jonathan Cain wrote the song when he was a member of the babies, but John Waite didn't like it. And when Kane brought it to Journey, Steve Perry helped him finish it, but the rest of the band hated it, especially Neil Schoen, who gave Kane and Perry shit in the studio the whole time as they were recording it. But when they performed it live for the first time, it went over so well with the audience that Schoen changed his mind about that tune real fucking fast. It's all about Kane's piano figure. It's basically a big piano ballad. 
all the other instruments kind of falling around it and color the piano. And this sucker is tailor-made for Steve Perry. He sings it tenderly in the verses and lets it soar in the choruses. Like you said, there's no guitar solo. This thing is all Kane and Perry. This is the, this is the only track in the album where Sean kind of takes a backseat. He, like you said, there's guitar in there and it's important, but it, he he's kind of in the background on this one. The drippy lyrics are about a guy trying to rekindle a failed romance, pleading with her to come home and see how he's changed and realizes how much she meant to him. This tune was a monster hit. You couldn't escape (laughs) it on the radio. And for those of you who were alive in the United States at the time, there's some serious ear burn attached to this, I'm sure. But it's a well-crafted song. I remember this being featured heavily in the movie The Last American Virgin. You ever see that, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. And it's been covered by pop artists from Mariah Carey to Britney Spears. As for me, much like Don't Stop Believing, I don't hear this much anymore. So, yeah, I don't mind hearing it now. I like it. It's a serious panty dropper for sure. This is the third single from the album, as well as Journey's biggest ever hit, reaching number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Now that the track-by-track track is over, we'll give our final thoughts and album ratings. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0-5 to five system, with 5 being a favorite album of ours, all the way down to a 0, which stop believing. Steve, what are your final thoughts on Escape? Absolutely love this album. This is a go-to album for me since I got it, and it's just amazing. And I think this is just deep track heaven. You get to side 2, Escape, Lay It Down, Dead or Alive. And even like side one, you know, don't stop believing and who's crying now and stone in love. Just absolutely amazing. There's there's really no skippers on there. And I just picked open arms just because I had to pick something. It's a great listen. And they play the they still play the majority of this album live. And um, it's, it's a go to album for me. I listen to this probably a good 10 times a year easily. What rating you give it? I give it like a 4.99. Nice. I absolutely fucking love this album. Not quite a five, but super close. <laughs> it's super close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prior to 1977, Journey was known as a sort of jazz fusion outfit given to long musical jams. But when they hired singer Steve Perry to sing co-lead vocals with keyboardist Greg Raleigh, they now had a frontman and decided to change their musical style to a far more commercial, album-oriented radio direction, with which bands like Boston and Foreigner would become popular with. They put out three albums in three years in this new style that sold well and steadily increased their popularity. And with their seventh studio album, Escape, Greg Raleigh left the band and was replaced by keyboardist Jonathan Cain from The Babies, who emphasized pianos and synths over Raleigh's Hammond organ, and he also had a hand in writing all of the album's tracks. It also put Steve Perry front and center, and he responded with some inspired vocal performances. The album cover was designed by Stanley Mouse and was an illustration of a scarab-looking spaceship smashing out of a glass sphere. And when Escape was released, it hit the mother load, with the record going to number one and selling over 10 million copies in the United States alone, while making the band into global superstars. This is the album I came into Journey with, and I think it was the same for a lot of people. At the time of its release, it got mixed reviews, but time has been pretty good to the record overall, and it's now seen in a better light. Yes, it's commercial as fuck. This is designed to grab your ear and hang on to it. The album opens and closes with tentpole classic rock radio staples. 
but I unapologetically do not give a shit about commercial, non-commercial, any of that. Growing up, I was mostly exposed to mainstream music on the radio and in my house, and I've never lost my fondness for a good hook, no matter how shiny the window dressing is. The purists can be purists all they want, and maybe if I was a Journey fan from the very beginning, I'd feel differently, but I didn't. Now, this is not my very favorite Journey album, but I still love it, and this is right in my wheelhouse, bet your ass. I give Escape a solid four, and I am an unabashed fan of the Steve Perry-led version of this band. Fuck it. Now I'd like to thank Steve Wright for coming back and taking the journey with me. Go ahead and plug your podcast and anything else you want, man. Yeah, thanks for the uh, thanks for the invite, Aaron. Always awesome uh, being on R four and especially talking about kick ass albums like this one. I, I you know I I don't want to lose my my metal card. You know, my, Mike Portis. <laughs> uh, we talked about Mike before. Mike's Mike Mike couldn't make it. He was going to see Deicide and he was hoping Journey was going to open up for them. <laughs> so, uh, but once again, thanks for having me on. It's always a blast talking with you, shooting the shit, and um, I appreciate the invite. Check out Potter Than Hell podcast. We have new episodes every Friday. And check out our Queensryche podcast. I do it with uh, Ray from the Asylum podcast. It's called I Remember Now. We don't have episodes out every week. It's usually like once a month or like once or twice a month, but it, it's fun doing that. So check that out as well. And once again, Aaron, thanks for having me on and thanks for sharing our stuff. And uh, and I'll I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. You know we love you guys. Your podcast is great. Been a fan from the very beginning. We're kind of brother shows by this point and. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to come back on. I'm a frequent flyer on your show and you are here as well. And absolutely. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast on all the podcasting platforms wherever you listen to them. If you like what you hear, please subscribe or follow the podcast and leave us a review. If you'd like to contact us directly, we can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com or also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page where there's a link to hear each podcast. We're also on Twitter at R4PodcastAaron and Instagram under R4Podcaster. If you feel the podcast has value and would like to make a contribution to support it, please head over to Patreon and the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews page and sign up on one of the monthly tiers. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. We'd love to hear from you. So for the R4 Podcast, I'm Aaron, and see ya. Don't stop believing. Nothing kicks in until you get the, you know, those crazy nights. I do remember in my youth, I, I am a horrible singer, sorry. Um, <laughs> but then that kicking and the is fantastic. Steve, Steve, uh, repeat that with a, with a kicking in because you kind of speak and spelled on it a little bit. You, you were just saying like the thing kicked in. It, it, you started to, it, it started sounding like that. So just repeat that part if you can. Okay. Yeah, then it kicked in the bottom. Oh shit, that's even worse. Man, we're getting we're back to next year or something? What's the weather like there? <laughs> uh, not great. Not great. Man, what, what's happening? Uh, let me... Oh yeah, yeah, you're, you're, this is sounding bad. You, you might have to start from the beginning, but we need, we need to get you back in clear. Man, what's, uh, what's, hmm. what is happening here?
Stone in okay. love. And I'll, we'll start with Stone in love. Okay. All right. I'll call you back.